0: You're listening to Seattle Sports Saturday with Lydia Cruz, Curtis Rogers, and Taylor Jacobs on 710 ESPN Seattle.
1: Hour two of Seattle Sports Saturdays here with you. I'm Taylor Jacobs. To my left, Lydia Cruz. And on the Zeke's Pizza Hotline, we're very excited and honored to welcome back to the show again Tim Holloway from the Vancouver Titans and now officially the seattle surge tim welcome to the show
0: yeah always a pleasure to hop on with you guys
1: so obviously not the result you guys were looking for last night you know falling in that opening match to the florida mutineers uh three to two but there had to be a lot of things you guys learned and saw on that first day so i want to ask what stood out day one of the call of duty league to you tim
0: you know, I, I think, uh, it, well, it was really exciting. Obviously, uh, the, the news broke with our exciting partnership with uh, with YouTube Gaming about an hour before, so that uh, that fired everyone up uh, uh, quite uh, right off the bat, which was great. But um, I think, you know, Minnesota, hats off to them. They've they put on a, a great event so far. Um, the Armory, I don't, I don't know if you guys are uh, familiar with the Armory, but it's an incredible venue. Um, and I just think Call of Duty just uh, pops really nicely in it as well. And the... And, uh, the thing I think I, I've taken most out of day one and uh, soon to be day two is just how excited the uh, the teams are to get to actually go in here and, and the franchises as well. So, um, yeah, like you said, it wasn't the best uh, uh, best game or best opening, but, um, you know, it's a long season and, and we, we have uh, Toronto on our sights today.
2: Tim, you have plenty of experience with the Vancouver Titans or at least with the, the community here in the Pacific Northwest, but... What was one of the biggest differences you saw in Seattle and their fandom and their response to the Call of Duty team?
0: I think uh, it's a great, it's a great question. I, I think one thing that I, that even surprised me is just how different Call of Duty fans are and how different to Overwatch fans. Uh, and uh, you know, I kind of, I kind of knew that just just being more of a Call of Duty fan myself and, and player, but. Um, it's I like it more because it's a lot more uh, personality. I'll say, I, I like, <laughs> um, and that's that's what I like. It's a lot. It's a lot of passion or a lot of passion. And you know, I, I would kind of even um, put it to more like that Seahawks fandom, which which I really relate with.
1: And you mentioned uh, Tim the YouTube deal. You know, um, the Overwatch League and Call of Duty League will now both be on YouTube Gaming. So for for fans and and people who watch these leagues, what is the biggest difference? Sort of, we can expect as a viewer.
0: You know, I I'm, I couldn't be more happy. Like there there was there was you know talks about uh, you know we were getting our updates you know every every uh, monthly and then bi weekly coming um, sooner to the to the launch weekend this weekend and then Overwatch's launch on um, you know in a couple of weeks. I personally was really hoping it would be YouTube. Um, I mean, it's out of, out of my, uh, big rate, if you will, of, of what the deal, um, you know, what the best deal was, et cetera. But I was really p- uh, pushing for, for YouTube just because I, I feel like YouTube is a lot more authentic. Um, and, and I really feel like that's the way we're going to, um, grow this league, both leagues, um, is just to really start that human connection and that emotional connection to our fans. And I think, um, YouTube gaming is, is the platform to go
2: speaking of that emotional connection I'm sure when fans have an opportunity to see this in person in action in their home series uh, that will be one of those opportunities uh what can they expect from that first home match
0: yeah I mean you know Taylor and I've talked about this uh, I, I think a few few times and then when I've been on here and you know, I, I hate to, to kind of repeat myself, but it really is from day one. We just we really can't wait for the opportunity, in you know, in April in Seattle, and May in Vancouver, to to really show the best of what the Pacific Northwest is, and really really use what makes Seattle so cool in our home stands to be a disruptor in in the space. You know franchise wise and and then Vancouver, the same thing, like you know we're we're at a little bit of an advantage of Vancouver where where our parent company aquilini Group owns and operates Rogers arena, so you know we're we're rolling out quite the show so far and um and I just can't wait for people to to come in and and really be very proud to to be from Vancouver when they're watching the Titans and be very proud of the show that we put on in Seattle as well and uh and and uh and grow some so the surge fan base down there.
1: So, tell us a bit. You, you know, you have all these events going on, and one of them, actually, next Saturday, you're going to have uh, a game and greet event, <laughs> so which is cool. kind of unique. I've never heard anything like this, but you're allowing yeah. people to come and game against the pros so cool. from the Vancouver Titans an opportunity to kind of show your, your skills and your merit in this whole thing. So, tell us a little bit about next Saturday and what fans can expect, because. I might potentially have to drive up to come see this and give <laughs> give it get my off. all. Get,
0: yeah. Get on our <laughs> yeah. You gotta yeah. I, I think it's it's almost like a um you know, two prong excitement. Like it, you know, it's it's gonna be incredible to, to actually be for the fans to be able to to play against, you know, Hacksaw and Twilight and, and our new you know, Fisher and Rhea are new players and I think also one thing that we should really highlight, and, and I know I will be one, um, is that it's, it's at Rogers Arena as well. So really connecting the Titans to Rogers Arena as well. Um, so I think that's going to be really exciting. But I, you know, I was laughing. I was like, oh my god, like how cool would this be to, you know, it would be like, you know, for you know, instead of you know, hey, come get an autograph with Russell you know, or Wilson, it'd be like come throw balls with your, come catch passes with Russell Wilson. You know, so it's it's. uh, I think it's going to be incredible. I think our fans are going to just absolutely enjoy themselves and and the way we've kind of designed the sports bar and you know, we're getting all the tables out of there, it's going to be really interactive. And um, I just can't wait to, for, you know, to, to look around and, and see kind of the the our, our community, our gaming community just keep growing and, and, uh, and, uh, and have that, again, that connection and, and start that, uh, that emotional connection with our players as well while the, before they're, they're off to Dallas to hopefully get uh, some big W's.
1: Yeah. So 12 to two next Saturday, Rogers yeah. arena, you can go down, you can game, you can greet, you can kind of be a part and see the community yeah. down there and feel everything. So, uh, and I'm gonna try. Yeah,
0: we're, we're gonna have auto, yeah, oh. autograph booths. um We're gonna have a merch stand. We're gonna have uh, some some giveaways of, of uh, some Titan swag. Um, you know, obviously, hopefully, uh, we'll, 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 we will have our, our home stand uh, tickets on sale up there as well. Uh, but I, I think the biggest part here is just like come, you know, come meet the Titans. They're gonna be in Vancouver from now on, and and it, it's really exciting and. I mean, I just can't wait to kind of look over and, and see some fans just kind of hopefully they're, they're actually playing the game, not looking, you know, next to Axel or something like that. But <laughs> yeah. uh, come come down and enjoy yourself at Rogers Arena for sure.
2: Tim, that's always something that I'm so impressed with about the gaming community is I feel like it is so accessible compared to other professional sports that there really is an interactivity between fans and between professional athletes that you don't get anywhere else. Will you expect that same level of interactivity between the Seattle Surge and, and their fans?
0: I, I really will. Like when we, we were down, um, when we, when we launched the, uh, um, uh, we announced that we were going to be playing, you know, at WAMU and, and, uh, at, you know, CenturyLink field, we, we actually had enable and Octane come down and we did some ticket giveaways and they, they just couldn't be more proud to, to play for Seattle. We, you know, we walked around, we did some content videos and it was, it was awesome just to see them interact with the community. And we just, you know, when, when the fans came out and we gave free, free tickets, like they, they were just sitting there talking about the game and it was really cool. And um, I think it was a naval was kind of given, uh, given a fan, like some, uh, um, some tips of, of what, you know, what he likes to do on during search and destroy mode and stuff like that. So it, like, like you said, like, I really think what's, I don't want to say what's different from traditional sports, but like these, like our players are, are so much, are fans of the game, period. So when you put them in a room with, with someone, it doesn't even mean like someone like me, like I'm horrible at Call of Duty, but we just, <laughs> we just have passion for the game, you know, and we just talk about it. That's all we do. So it's, it's pretty cool.
1: Love that. Yeah. Tim Holloway from the Seattle Surge and the Vancouver Titans, quite the, uh, the title there. But uh, one thing I'm really excited about is the Overwatch League showed off their latest collaboration with Staple and some of the gear that's going to be coming out. Now, I know there's not a whole lot of details, but can you just tell us a little bit about the sort of the process that went into the new look of the Overwatch League?
0: Yeah, you know, it's. I, I think that again, all year, and, and one thing I, I got to tip my hat to Activision Blizzard. Like, they were very, they're very vocal and collaborative of like what, you know, what can we do better next year, or next next homestand, except or uh, next next match last year. And one thing was our, our player kits and, and kind of our uh, like the look of the league. And and I think together, collaborating with the league and the and the other nineteen franchises, we've really put a lot of thought into it. And and I think it looks so good. I, you know, uh, without giving too much away, you know, black is definitely a fan favorite. So we've got some really cool uh, um, stuff coming out. And, and I don't know, and, and not to switch too much to Call of Duty, but have you, did you guys see the, the, our, our hoodies and, and our uh, jerseys um,
1: yesterday? Yes, that was my follow-up I, I question. Was, Thank you for taking that away. Yeah. <laughs> yes, my follow-up question oh,
0: sorry, was, sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> what,
1: what's going on with the surge gear and where can fans go and get that as well?
0: Yeah, so it's, it's, it's all rolling out. Um, you know, stay tuned for, on obviously the league's web, website, Fanatics and all our, our own late, or our, uh, our own, um, uh, uh, pages, web, web links as well. But, uh, I just think Call of Duty did such a good job with the camo and the branding on, on these jerseys. And, and, uh, I, I couldn't be, be more happy of how, how quickly. I mean, again, it, it all rolled out very quickly on our end. We had to, we had to kind of, I our, our brand and our, and our colors uh, quite quick, but I, I think uh, we did Seattle proud with, with our palette and uh, and what uh, Call of Duty rolled out for sure.
1: Well, you definitely did, Tim, and we're uh, so honored to have you on the show. Real quick, I'll let you plug one more time. Both of the weekends, so Seattle, April 18th and 19th, you can go down to Century uh, Link, the WAMU Event Center. You can see the Seattle Surge play there. And then in May, they can go up. And on 4th of July, we can have a Canadian 4th of July yes. up in Vancouver. Watching the Titans. That's play at right. Home as well,
0: Star, stars and stripes in Vancouver this year. Seattle, let's let's come out. Let's come out. Love it. Exactly. And then and then again, uh, just next week, um, February first. Uh, I know there's a lot of Titan fans in in uh, the Pacific Northwest. So if you can, if you can uh, get in your own car or ask ask mom and dad or, or your cool uncle to, to come up and uh, drive you to Vancouver, twelve to two at Rogers Arena. Um, you'll be playing next to, to all the greats, Vancouver, and uh, should be should be a really exciting event.
1: We love it. Tim, thank you so much for joining us. Best of luck today. you got a match coming up here in a little bit of time, so send the boys our uh, our best wishes, and we'll be cheering for you all the way back here in the Absolutely. Northwest.
0: Thanks, Tim. Awesome, yeah. It's against Toronto, so everyone on the West Coast, you know, yes. let's do this. Let's Seattle go. fans,
1: we yes. know about the Toronto fans and what yeah. they do, so we need to return the favor <laughs> today.
0: Exactly. Let's do it. Yes.
1: Thank you, Tim. Appreciate it, buddy. Right. Thanks,
0: sir. Thank you. Take care.
1: Tim Holloway, Vancouver Titans, Seattle Surge.
2: Always awesome to hear from him. Even if
1: you're not a fan of eSports, you can, I could can just listen to Tim talk all day.
2: Exactly. Honestly.
1: Just, just let him talk about just anything.
2: Nerd out. Yeah. That's, I, I love it here on the show.
1: So coming up next, we got to get into our big three national stories. A lot going on as we get ready for the Super Bowl. And of course, the biggest event on everyone's calendar. The Pro Bowl is here, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> What can we expect from the Pro Bowl? We'll get into that next. The Big Three national version is coming up next on Seattle Sports Saturdays.
0: Seattle Sports Saturdays with Lydia Cruz, Curtis Rogers, and Taylor Jacobs.
1: On 710 ESPN Seattle. Big thanks again to Tim Holloway, Vancouver Titans, Seattle Surge, joining us, talking some esports, talking some Northwest, talking in a lovely Canadian accent.
2: Absolutely, and just as polite as you would have imagined.
1: As, as we Canadians like to be. <laughs> big three national stories we got to get into. A lot of the things happening around the country this week. A little bit of a slower week as far as sports stories go, but it doesn't mean we can't come up with three big stories, so let's waste no time. Let's get into this week's Big Three. Number one. I've mentioned it before. I'll mention it again. It's everyone's favorite weekend. Pro Bowl weekend. That's pretty much it. That's the whole bit. (laughs) No, but uh, in in all seriousness, we will see some new rule changes here. Most specifically, the the opportunity to do the 4th and 15 to keep the ball instead of having the onside kick. What will that look like? What effect will that have? And another thing which we'll get into next here at 1030 is could any of the Pro Bowlers... Help come to Seattle and help this team reach a Super Bowl. What Pro Bowlers potentially could end up in Seattle? Can any end up in Seattle? Brandon Gustafson of 7 Sports.com put together a nice little article. So we'll go through some of the names he mentioned of potential fits, unlikely fits, no fits. And we'll see uh, what maybe uh, work Pete Carroll can and the coaching staff can put in at this Pro Bowl. But for those, I guess, interested in watching tomorrow... Noon. You can watch it on ABC, ESPN, the AFC and the NFC square off in the world famous, untouchable Pro Bowl. Number Number two.
2: two. Well, we have our Super Bowl field set. I know it's going to be hard. It's going to be almost anticlimactic after the Pro Bowl this weekend. But next weekend, the Super Bowl. In sunny Florida, it's the Niners versus the Chiefs. Championship weekend felt almost like a little bit of a letdown. A little less exciting than divisional weekend. But Super Bowl field now set. Kansas City beating the Tennessee Titans 35-24. The Niners just kind of unceremoniously rolling over Green Bay. 37-20. They put up a little fight in the second half, but really didn't look like that game was ever out of hand, ever out of Kyle Shanahan, Jimmy G's reach. So now it'll be a pretty interesting matchup. You've got the Niners defense versus the high octane Kansas City Chiefs offense Mm -hmm. which will be more difficult to stop will it be the the run game in San Francisco the the Chiefs actually showing a lot off on the defensive side of things I think that's been an underrated part of their game all the all this year because there's been moments when it has not been good and Taylor knows this as a Chiefs fan um, but there's also times when it's been pretty dominant Frank Clark a part of that mix Now you've got a former Seahawk winning either way, whether it's Richard Sherman on San Francisco side of things or Frank Clark on the Kansas City side of things. So this now set for next weekend in Florida.
1: Number three. Well, Zion has arrived and boy, oh boy, was his arrival worth the wait as he exploded For a slew of three-pointers and uh, a bunch of big points, big dunks, and his two games so far has made quite the impact on the NBA. Viewership for the two games spiking through the roof. People excited to see Zion Williamson and the rookie phenom finally hit the court. But elsewhere around the NBA, L.A. Clippers star Kawhi Leonard earning his first triple-double of his career Last night in a 122-117 comeback victory over the Miami Heat. Also, LeBron James to pass Kobe Bryant in all-time scoring here soon to pass the mark of 33,644 points set by Kobe will be, will be passed. And LeBron will continue his march on towards the top of most of the record holder lists in the NBA. But exciting times. As the, uh, the NBA rolls towards its All-Star weekend, the games start to ramp down a little bit, but that doesn't mean news and excitement doesn't start to ramp up. The trade deadline also coming up soon. Will we see Lake Oswego's finest Kevin Love on the move?
2: Ooh, Caleb.
1: All things to, uh, to watch and look for in the NBA as we, uh, we head out of this big three national story. Some honorable mentions. Dallas Keuchel apologizing. For science, this, this was weird and huge, and probably you know gag order breaking. But he seemed to apologize for the things that took place and sort of urging his teammates.
2: Yeah, this just breaking yesterday, I believe. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Dallas Keuchel being the first player from that 2017 Astros team to really apologize. Yeah. Say and admit to some sort of wrongdoing because we did hear from Jose Altuve and Alex Bregman and Josh Reddick last week as part of Astros Fan Fest. They were speaking to the media. They really didn't take any responsibility. They said, Well, the commissioner made his decision. The Astros did what they did. That was Alex Bregman's favorite quote for the weekend. The Astros did what they did, which is a disassociation that uh, is unrivaled, uh, not taking any personal responsibility or even admitting any wrongdoing. So this is huge because, yeah. yes, Dallas Keuchel doesn't currently play for the Astros. So there's a little bit different implications on his plate. But he now is with the Chicago White Sox and, and chose to say, hey, this uh, what we did was wrong. And uh, I think other other people should say they're sorry as well.
1: Yeah, I think that's the next wave coming in this whole story is the accountability for the players and what that will look like. Whether it's, you know, suspensions, making them get out there and talk about it openly without the gag order put in place by the commissioner. You know, what will that look like? What will the reckoning for the players look like? Because we've seen it for the coaches and the GMs involved so far and sort of the standard in in which it will take. Most likely you will lose your job if you get caught Mm -hmm. being involved in anything like this. But what will happen to the players? Will anything happen to the players? You know, it's, it's... it's a tough situation to know who benefited, who was a part of it, who, you know, fought it, all of these types of things. So it's going to probably take a little bit for the the league to figure that out.
2: And also you have to consider, I hate to be this pessimistic, I'm usually the optimism, uh, you know, rose-colored glasses person, but there really is no incentive for Major League Baseball to punish individual players. And I hate to say that. You know, we heard the allegations from a random a Twitter account that they individual players were wearing buzzers and perhaps yep. that uh, Jose Altuve and Alex Bregman were part of that. Well, the MLB came out and said, no, we didn't find any evidence of that. But to be honest, do they really have any incentive to, to find evidence to the contrary? Because then you're talking individual suspensions. You're talking about taking some of the biggest name players out of the game when those are part of your money-making process. And uh, I, I just don't see that there being a lot of incentive for that. If you punish managers and management, then that's in in their minds uh, easy repercussion because they're not currently involved in the game and, and the success of the game isn't really hinging too much upon them because I don't think – you know, you'll see that big a drop off for the Astros or for the Red Sox because they still have incredibly talented rosters. But if you take those incredibly talented players out of the game, then yeah, your product is going to suffer. So I think that at the end of the day, there is some. There's some dollar signs involved in in the interests here, and we just have to be aware of that. But still, huge to hear from Dallas Keuchel. This is a guy that has never in his career been uh, one to be silent in general. Yep. He was back in 2017. I remember very vocal about the fact that he didn't think at the trade deadline the team added enough. He was critical of Jeff Lunow and of his own team that that he was upset they didn't add enough, and then they ended up getting. Uh, Justin Verlander on that later waiver date you know a month later um, so I'm sure he was happy with that mm-hmm. but still it's big for him to come out and say something and maybe some other players will follow suit
1: I hope so yeah I definitely hope so and another kind of puzzling situation happening this week Kansas
2: speaking of accountability
1: yeah Kansas Kansas State uh, heated basketball rivals ending their game in a brawl resulting in Silvio De Souza's. 12 game suspension after he picked up a stool. He didn't swing it. And it was one of the weirdest fights as no real punches were thrown. It was just sort of a big scuffle. And, you know, one person in, in street clothes was involved and he was sort of instigating part of the fights. I'm still curious on who that was.
2: He, so he was on the bench for one of the teams.
1: Yeah, but they, but like, what, what was he, is he a yes. player? Is he a, 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 you know, a coach, assistant, an yeah. assistant, mm-hmm. um, just have a lot of questions about what that guy was doing and why he was able to instigate such a huge brawl between these two teams. Uh, But I think, again, in the end, they got it right with the 12 game suspension. You know, He's going to learn a tough, valuable lesson from this, but also he doesn't deserve to lose the whole season. He should have a chance to come back later on and be able to play and be a part of this team. And
2: it's interesting though because he's still at the center of an investigation that's going on.
1: The Adidas, yeah, that was—he's part of the Adidas. He had to sit out the year because of the allegations of you know, pain and money exchanged and things like that, and the whole, the whole sort of scandal involving college basketball and, and some of the big sneaker companies and their involvement in their program. So, interesting things happening in college sports as always. As so
2: always. Also, the NHL All-Star Game. Don't want to forget about that. It is in St. Louis this weekend. And, yep. uh, one of the cool things I thought for their skills competition is they had players shoot pucks essentially like over the crowd. You know, experimenting with uh, with different things to get people into into the All-Star Game. We're going to talk about that
1: later. Great tease. 1045. Let's go. Can the NFL hit a puck over the crowd figuratively at the Pro Bowl? We don't know. We we'll don't discuss know. at 1045. So make sure you're texting in your ideas, what you'd like to see I've already seen a lot of dodgeball tournament ideas for those wanting uh, Pro Bowl changes, so make sure you're texting them in, 710-710. But up next, could any Pro Bowler be on their way to Seattle to help this Seahawks team? We'll get into that next, Seattle Sports Saturdays.
0: Seattle Sports Saturdays with Lydia Cruz, Curtis Rogers, and Taylor Jacobs. On 710 ESPN Seattle.
1: Seven ten seven ten, there for you always during Seattle Sports Saturdays. But we want to hear from you. What changes would you make to the Pro Bowl? What would you watch? Genuinely, what would you want to see these NFL players do? How would you change it? It's coming up next at ten forty five. But right now, while we're talking, the the biggest event on the calendar, the Pro Bowl. Ooh. Pete Carroll and the coaching staff is down there in Florida, along with the guru Jake Heaps scouting out you know, the potential signings and things like that. and
2: Also, you as a fan, it's one of the things that you could keep your eye on. If you aren't super intrigued by the product on the field this weekend, yes. you could just be having your eye on potential free agents that might make a difference in Seattle.
1: Right, and what will those free agents do around Pete Carroll? How will they act? What will they say after the game about his coaching style? Those are things to pay attention to because we might be able to read between the lines and be able to get some information on who potentially wants to join the Seattle team and a run towards a, a potential Super Bowl next year. So, Brandon Gustafson, shout out, the pride of Kamiak. Woo! Great article up Doing at 710. Doing a lot of woos today. Doing I'm a sorry. lot of woos. That's okay. Yeah. It's, you know, it's Pro Bowl. It's Pro yeah. Bowl weekend. <laughs> I just it. Can't deserves help a lot of woos. Can't turn it off. Great article up on 710sports.com from Brandon Gustafson talking about what potential Pro Bowlers could land here in Seattle, if any, and what they would look like as free agent signings here for the Seahawks. So split it into three categories, no chance, highly unlikely, and potential fits, because all you can really say is if they're a potential fit or not. Beyond that, it's up to the Seahawks to sort of make the signing, see if it fiscally makes sense, and so on and so forth. But we'll Mm -hmm. start with the no chance, and it's pretty easy to say. Um, Only one name on this list, and it's quarterback Drew Brees. I would almost bet my life Drew Brees <laughs> will never play down as a Seattle Seahawk or in the blue and green jersey ever. No. To be honest, I'll be surprised if he ever plays a snap for uh, another team other than the Saints. Uh, I-, I would imagine that he will be in New Orleans for his entire rest of his career, no matter how long that may be. So, Brandon, agree 100%. I think Drew Brees not going to be a Seahawk. Highly unlikely. A few more names in here, but again, I would agree that most likely none of these people will will end up here in Seattle. Cowboys wide receiver Amari Cooper, New England Patriots special team ace Matthew Slater and the uh the darling of the NFL right now, Tennessee Titans running back Derrick Henry. So, Lydia, you agree those three most likely not going to be here in Seattle would take some sort of crazy trade.
2: Yeah, I I I can't imagine in any of those those names I mean you can dream of course but, mm-hmm. but uh, I wouldn't say that's the focus of what this team needs right now by any means and and so by that extension what you should be spending your your money or draft capital right
1: because Slater's only going to provide you so much value You've you have chosen your sta- a
2: first round running back in the last couple yeah, of years you
1: have a stable of backs ready to go when they're healthy
2: now Rashad Penny's Whether he is ready and able to go, I think his injury might be a little more complex than Chris Carson's, which won't require surgery. That's great news. I think Rashad Penny's might be a little more complex Mm -hmm. on when he comes back. CJ Proceis is uh, one of those free agent decisions you have to to make. But you saw flashes of what Travis Homer brings. And you also were able to get some contributions from basically essentially two retired, semi-retired football players, Marshawn Lynch and Robert Turbin, at the end of the year.
1: Exactly. And wide receiver intriguing position because when this team had josh gordon the offense looked unstoppable they just had every sort of facet of a, of an offense that you could want so signing cooper again highly unlikely you bring him in you know that then the whole depth chart slides down tyler then goes back to being a number two dk's your number three i mean look in a in a great vacuum world that's a wonderful situation to be in to have DK Metcalf be your third receiver but I think they're happy with what's happening at that position the pay level and, and how much money they're investing into that group of players I think the front office was really comfortable right now it doesn't mean that they won't make a move and I you know AJ Green I was talking with my buddy Tony about the potential of maybe AJ Green being here you could see it but again it just feels like a bit of a stretch compared to some of the other positions and needs the Seahawks have.
2: I think even on the offensive side of things, like tight end is way more of a focus for you than running back or wide receiver. Even if you take some example from what the 49ers were able to do, Raheem Mostert was cut seven different times Mm -hmm. and then signed a three-year deal with them, which looks like it almost looks like you can put any running back in their system and they're successful. I'm not saying that the Seahawks are on that same level, but I am saying in terms of investing your resources, that's probably not the position that you need to be focused on right now. You need to be focused on perhaps adding more depth in that tight end area. That was a position where uh, your two men left standing at the end of the year were guys that weren't on your active roster to begin in Luke Wilson and then Jake Halster, who was on the practice squad, to begin the year. So that's Will Disley's future. I know nobody would ever question his work ethic. He will be working to get back, but it's it's also an injury that does – leave it up in up, up up in the air. So I think you need to add depth on the tight end front, and that actually leads into...
1: Great transition. That's <laughs> what we're all about here on this yeah. show, great transitions. As we transition into potential fits, number one on that list, according to Brandon Gustafson, and I, I would agree with this, If it, the potential of this guy is so intriguing. Tight end Austin Hooper. He's going to hit that free agency market. You saw what Matt Ryan could do with him in Atlanta and how valuable he was in that red zone for that team, and... You know, for fantasy football players out there, you know his value in that in, in that arena as well, and and what he's been able to do offensively, statistically. But that's again, you, it's such a big question. Will Disley is such a big question mark because you've heard it from guys like Dave Wyman on how special he can be and what his work ethic and what he's been able to do on the field in the short time he's been on the field. Has been remarkable, and it's caught a lot of ex-players and and analysts' eyes as something that stands out to them. So to go out and to spend big on a position that isn't necessarily a a true need, but the depth is a need, ah, it's tough because Austin, again, becomes the number one. You slide Will back. Everyone sort of slides back. What value can you get out of some of these guys? Can you re-sign Luke Wilson to a a sort of a veteran minimum deal and have him be the third stringer and and help out? Can you get someone behind Will Will Disley who's a little bit cheaper? Can Jacob Halster take that next step? Is he that guy? So a lot of question marks on the people you actually already have makes me a little bit hesitant about maybe going after Alston Hooper.
2: Did you learn a lesson? Did this team learn a lesson with Jimmy Graham? in terms of what type of tight end that they are looking for.
1: Yeah, yes. I mean, I don't know why I said it in that way. Yeah. But Um, did
2: my question, I only ask that because Ed Dixon was such a puzzling...
1: Yeah, I just think he couldn't get healthy, and I think he was just in a weird spot in his career. I think what he could have brought to this team is what they want, is still what they're looking for, is that blocking tight end who can catch a pass but is able to chip make that lane, open up something for Chris Carson, seal the defensive end, let Russell get outside and create. So those are the things I think they're looking for from the tight end position. And Austin can do that, but primarily he is more of a pass-catching tight end and more of a offensive playmaker. So not necessarily something you're going to see from him. This one I thought was really intriguing. And to be honest, I think this may be the best Chance of someone from the Pro Bowl ending up on our roster. And that's Vikings fullback CJ Ham. They love to run the ball here in Seattle and establishing the run to open up the play action and the passing game for Russell Wilson is the way they run this offense. So getting a fullback in there to sort of open up some of those holes. If you don't have a tight end, you can. You can essentially shift CJ ham from the the edge of that offensive line, move him in motion to be one of the blocking leading blockers for Carson or Penny or whoever may be taking taking the handoff. So I would love to see CJ Ham, 26 years old. You can sign him for, you know, four years, get some good value. And look, we've seen what a good fullback in Seattle can do for this offense. And Sean Alexander, with Max Strong in front of him, was an MVP. And yes, he had a great offensive line, and we'll get into the the uh, the offensive line here in in one second. And I think that's a cheap addition the Seahawks can make that could help them take a big step forward next year offensively, and that's saying something, especially for someone like a fullback in a position that seems to be dying in the NFL.
2: So, with you do still have Nick Ballore on your roster, but more yeah. as a special teams contributor,
1: yeah, yeah, and
2: and you are talking more. True fullback.
1: True fullback, eye formation, you know, I guess you could do some wishbones and some different things, get creative, but I would love to see what type of uh, versatility he would bring to the play calling of the Seahawks offense. And also short downage situations, the fourth and ones, you don't have to worry about Russell going up and over or Chris Carson, you know, throwing his body in there, getting hurt again. Hand it off to C.J. Ham. Let him get those two, three yards. Get back. Establish yourself. You have a fresh Chris Carson. Give him the ball. Go for it. So,
2: Well, speaking of that run game, offensive line also a concern for the team and always has been. But but what did Brandon have to say about potential pro bowlers there?
1: So uh, Washington Redskin offensive guard, Brandon uh Scherf? Scherf, Sheriff, Scherf, Scherf right? I believe is how you pronounce it. Sorry if I'm pronouncing that wrong. But I believe it's Scherf. Brandon Scherf, the offensive guard, was the only guard he saw from the Pro Bowl, essentially, as a potential fit. They could go out and sign him, value-wise. And guard is going to be an interesting position this year. We talked about Fluker and his money. Will they bring him back? Will they cut him? He's been tweeting a lot about, you know, resetting opportunities and being able to prove yourself. What can we read into that? Probably nothing. But, again... The guard position was one that was a little bit in flux last season. And what, what will it look like in the middle of this offensive line? The, the, the guys who help create those lanes for Chris Carson. And if you truly want to establish the run, you're going to need those guys who can pull, get out into space and block, but also open up the lanes in the middle um, for them as well. So,
2: real quick, let's get to the defense. Yep,
1: real quick. We'll just run through the defense defensive end and outside linebacker, Shaquille Barrett. Sack leader of the year. I think he'll be the big money getter this year. I don't necessarily see him coming to a team like Seattle unless he does take less money because it feels like a team like the Colts or someone is just going to throw cash at him and he'll sign one of the most lucrative deals. And the last one, a little bit more realistic, Everson Griffin from the Vikings defensive end. We talked about how you needed that that addition on the defensive line. If you're going to lose Jaron Reed, Griffin would be a great name to add who could potentially— provide veteran leadership and production that you so desperately needed in your pass rush this season
2: and keep in mind you do still have a decent amount of money that you, that you can utilize this this offseason and i'll be fascinated to see how john schneider uh distributes that
1: and look draft capital we know john loves making deals and and moving up moving down he, he's a mover and a shaker when it comes to the nfl draft so It's the offseason, but there's a lot of intrigue for the Seahawks team heading into this offseason because this is it. This is going to be a good opportunity for them to make a run at the Super Bowl, and you can't waste opportunities like this. Ask the people calling for Pete Carroll's head right now. You can't waste opportunities with Russell Wilson back there taking snaps. So we want to know from you, though, the Pro Bowl. we got to fix it. We need your help. If you're listening right now, SOS. Send us help. 710 710 How would you fix the Pro Bowl? What would you watch? We get into it next. Seattle Sports Saturdays.
0: Seattle Sports Saturdays with Lydia Cruz, Curtis Rogers, and Taylor Jacobs.
1: On 710 ESPN Seattle. Text in 710-710. We need your help. How do we make the Pro Bowl must-see TV? What can we do collectively hive mind? Put our minds together. What can we create adapt to this abomination that is the Pro Bowl (laughs) that we watch.
2: Maybe take also inspiration from other All-Star games. Is there something about another sports All-Star competition that sucks you in, that draws you in, that you can't get enough of? And maybe we can parlay that into something that the Pro Bowl can use. Because they've even recognized it in the last couple of years that this is... uh, just more of a punchline mm-hmm. than an actual all-star experience. They've tried to add a few things, whether it's the the skills competitions, dodgeball last year. Yes. They are trying to be cool. Yes. Uh, but there's still so much more they
1: can do. No, and it feels like they're getting closer. And you mentioned dodgeball, and that was one of the things they added last year to the Pro Bowl. Skills day, kind of fun activities that they have pre-game on the Saturday before and the Friday before. So, a lot of tech's coming in that the dodgeball tournament they want to see a big dodgeball tournament. I love that idea. love seeing different games and incorporating different games into this. I, I think, think is the big the big change. Really I
2: would doing. also be down for some sort of like ping pong competition. It seems to be big with a lot of of players and or three on three basketball competition because you've heard a lot of players talk about. We know in Seattle that that means a lot.
1: Right. And I think this plays into my suggestion for what they do. I think we can combine those ideas into one sort of mega idea. And 90s kids will know what I'm talking about. But we need to change it to be Legends of the Hidden Temple. What? I want to see some red jaguars, some blue barracudas. This is like my
2: favorite favorite show i they, wanted to be on the show so bad i think when I was
1: every kid back then wanted to be on the show and they were we think we always had the right strategy oh so good Omac, so good oh
2: yeah why why did we always think we were smarter than everyone there even though it I mean, was so random
1: yeah i mean it was random there was like no way you could be good at projecting what rooms these random people are in but The thing about Legend of the Hidden Temple was it was all about these different mini-games leading up to a big competition, right? And narrowing down these teams. So my idea...
2: Is to take that,
1: sort of... Yep, and don't get rid of the number of players, right? Keep it the 44 from each team. So you have 88 total people going to the Pro Bowl. Totally fine. Eight teams of 11. You have a a schoolyard-style draft. You have to fill certain positions. You have to have a certain amount of offensive, defensive linemen certain amount of skill positions and you know a couple quarterbacks as well just to kind of make it exciting for every team and let them go out and compete in some wild challenges let them go out i want to see some offensive linemen doing skill player challenges 40 times running races against each other you know hands drills those types of things i want to see some skill position players try and pull a boss as far as they can i want to see people doing things outside of their comfort zones
2: yeah, we saw a little bit of it in the skills competition when they, they did, like, the precision passing. They had a wide receiver that they had to pick for each team. So Devontae Adams, I think, was the, the NFC selection. And so, yeah, I think that's that's fun for these guys because a lot of them grew up playing other positions. Right. And they you didn't can, just become a specialist.
1: Right, and you can control a lot of the things that they worry about, like injuries, right? The, the biggest worry is that people Always. are going to get hurt during these things. You know, let him get up there glad, uh, American Gladiator style and do the jousting with the full gear on. You know, let me see some offensive linemen, you know, on a thin little plank with some foam below them. And let me see them do some hand some hand wrestling. Let's see who's the strongest there. I think there's just a lot of potential for some fun mini games leading into a bigger sort of tournament with points and things like that and awarding a winning team. I think there's a lot of intrigue into the draft. You know, who would you take first? Who would you want to take first? I love it. I would love to see things like that. So, Legends of the Hidden Temple. Let's do it.
2: Pro Bowl style. Pro Bowl style. Okay, I like that. That's going to be hard to top. I, mine is not nearly as intriguing, but I was thinking, what about if you did an actual just Madden
1: competition? Mm.
2: We know how much players like to play. They and they love and to
1: specifically game. Madden, we heard it from KJ Wright. Trey Flowers, um, and even the Griffin brothers now are, are feeling like they've missed the boat because they didn't play Matt, a whole lot of Madden to start. They played a lot of the shooting games, and now they're feeling like they have to catch up because... Mm-hmm everyone plays Madden and is so good at Madden. And
2: maybe that wouldn't be as fun for them, so maybe it's a different game. Maybe it's uh Maybe it's know. a bunch of games. Yes, exactly. Maybe but I think that if you did it in that sort of arena type setting where you had players mic'd up so they can trash talk to each other, yes. um and you did like a best of series where you same thing, different players are playing. We saw a little clip of it. Because Conan O'Brien did his, like, video games with uh, Marshawn Lynch. And, Clueless Gamer. And, yes, Clueless yep. Gamer, Rob Gronkowski before the Super Bowl. So bit before big games. We got a little sample because players are so entertaining when they're able to just kind of be themselves. And I think you could have – like a massive arena setting for this. You could make it interactive like we've seen from Dota where, where players or yep. fans are able to have like bracelets that buzz and correspond. correspond with the game action so it feels like a true interactive experience. You're able to hear them mic'd up, the trash talk. I think that would be spectacular. Plus you could also, you could still do the coaching thing where you got Pete Carroll in there trying to, you know, yeah, like always coach him up for P-
1: gaming. Coach him up for Madden. That would be funny to see. I think would I would love to see that. Some text coming in again text in 710 710 we need your help specifically you listening right now 480 I think fans should be able to call the plays of the games
2: that would be great too
1: that would be pretty fun and pretty wild I'd love to see something like that uh 253 lineman sumo wrestling would love would be even funnier if let's put some quarterbacks in those inflatable sumo suits and let's see those guys go at it you know the guys you can't touch they wear the Mm -hmm. special jerseys Mm -hmm. Let's see them get down and get dirty. Be a little
2: dirty, too.
1: Yeah. Um, we have a tug of war here. Multiple tug of wars here from the 425 and other numbers. Let's see. Uh, 253 Wipeout NFL. Remember that show, oh, Wipeout? Oh, yeah. A little more dangerous. Right. Teams will probably be less likely to buy into something like that. Again, a lot of you know flag football, foosball, little games like that being changed. More rule changes. People want to see more rule changes. Maybe even be like blitz. I don't know if that would happen. That seems pretty dangerous for a Pro Bowl. But uh, I like that spelling bee two six zero.
2: Ooh, we do it like script style. Yeah, we make it super competitive. Maybe at the very end of it, we bring the scripts champions. Or now that there's like thirty six because it's an all way tie, uh, we bring them in to do, compete against the finalist from from Pro Bowl. I love Pro that. Bowl. I love this. Keep Come, them coming.
1: Keep them four two five and two five three seven on seven. I like that idea, but here's the twist I'd put on 7-on-7. Seven because seven, we're so used to the skill position players, the linemen get left out. Flip the skill position players with the linemen. Only six linemen allowed and one quarterback, and then you play 7-on-7 seven seven with those linemen. Love, would love to see some, some big guys trying to catch balls, diving for plays, things like that. It would look so funny. It would be even more entertaining to watch.
2: National phantom, let's go.
1: A center trying to guard a center running down the field for a catch. I mean, that would just look hilarious and be fun and and probably just all around good offensive clean.
2: linemen need love too they deserve to have glory too okay they're in the trenches Yep. they don't get a lot of it they should they deserve their moment in the sun
1: team trivia 360 you have kickball here 360 206 eating competition 206 dance off well we know who'd win that Seahawks wide receivers yeah, that's true. That. That, that's not even a competition. But I do
2: like the idea of having like an in-the-moment challenge where they have to create a touchdown celebration. Like, because maybe it's people that you aren't on a team with. So you just guys have to come up with the best, it, I don't know, touchdown celebration with, with a time limit. Yep. Props. Egg-tossing
1: competition. That's some like field day. We're going
2: back to like elementary, elementary school. school. Yeah. yeah. Loved field days. Like, race. that's like a, uh, what what's the three-legged race and, and yep. potato, potato sack. Potato sack. Yeah. Races. Old and- school. Dunk tank. I mean, come on. Yeah. Well, we love these suggestions. Keep, Keep coming. them coming.
1: Yeah, these are, these are great. Um, ultimate Frisbee. That would be a weird one to see some guys throwing. Frisbees are hard to throw anyway, so watching some NFL players throw them would be hilarious. Keep texting 710-710. We need to hear your fixes for the Pro Bowl. It's everyone's favorite week, so we got to figure out how to get it back on track. Am I right? But up next, we will talk about the Seahawks and who potentially on this roster right now could be the next first time pro bowler who could it be we'll discuss next seattle sports saturdays